Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that your word is real and true, life-changing, mind-altering. We ask you, please, open our eyes to see the marvelous things of your word. We need you, God. Without your spirit, we can't do a thing, nothing. We love you and pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm doing more of a, um, a topical teaching today, although it's based on where we're at. Reading all week, for the last couple weeks, chapter 5 of the book of James and wondering how to teach it, I realized that as I was reading it, James had come a long way. I want you to think about that. James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, had come a long way. At some point in time, you look in the mirror and you have to say to yourself, I don't like who I see. That's what gets you here. Now, here's the problem. If you were brought up like in the church and you're going to church because your mama makes you go to church, because your dad makes you go to church, because you think it's respectful, you might never get to this place. You really might not. In which case that you're hoping or should I say, we are hoping that something sticks. We are. But for some of us, we look at ourselves honestly and we say, you're a piece of garbage. And the enemy, he hangs this chain on your neck that tells you you're stuck right where you're at. You're never going anywhere. You cannot change. It's, you have an inability to change. You can't do it. Again, James had come a long way. It's only a few years before this was written, maybe 20, where he was telling the people on the mountain, don't listen to him. He's crazy. He, the guy that wrote this, is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. And he was a part of a group of people trying to end his ministry, end his life, get him out of there. James had come a long way. The Lord Jesus said this, Follow me and I will make you. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved, a workman. Need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible says, you will go from glory to glory. If anybody has ever studied um, physics, there's, there's this thing called quantum physics, and I'm not going to make believe I understand quantum physics, but one of the laws of quantum physics, which is widely accepted and respected, is the law of thermodynamics, and in the law of thermodynamics, there is the law of entropy. The law of entropy, according to thermodynamics, according to quantum physics, 
widely accepted means that everything is getting worse. From the second it is created, born, it is immediately getting old and getting bad. From the spiritual perspective, understand this. From the time that you are born, it's all about you. I want, I need, I got to get. If you have children, if you have multiple children, you realize how bad some of them really are right from the start. You're like, wow, wow, you are a terrible, terrible human being. I don't know how you got this bad at two and a half years old, but there's a problem here. If they weren't kids and they were adults and they stay on that trajectory, the law of entropy, man, how are they not all grow up to be murderers? At some point in time, you realize when you look in the mirror, there's something wrong with me. I need change. And like so many of us, you realize something. You can't change. It's horrible. I remember Christmas is coming up. I've told this story a bunch lately. I don't know why it keeps coming up. But I remember being 20, 21 years old, and me and my crew going to Christmas service at midnight, going to the Catholic church. And we were, we were moving as a crew, you know? Suits and ties, three pieces, because it was the 80s. I remember sitting in that church, man, and feeling that holy hush of the, of the uh, Catholic sanctuary. That's the one thing I, I do miss about the Catholic church. You walk in there, you just shh. And that right in the center, right up there, there's this guy, and he's hanging off this church, and he's dead, and he's, and you're like, he's like looking at you, and you're like, you're mad at me. I know it. I deserve it. And I'm hoping to God, hoping. I remember being in that church. Now, never, never telling. Can't have this conversation with your boys because, of course, you're the only one having it. It's like some of you guys, you come here just because your mom wants you to come here. And then inside, though, your heart's burning. And you're like, I can't never tell anybody what I feel when I go to church. They, they think me soft. <laughs> like you're the only one. I remember, I'm never going to get out of this neighborhood. I'm never. This is it. I have to get harder and harder and harder. I have to get stronger and stronger and stronger. I have to get meaner and meaner and meaner. I have to. I have to get more and more ruthless, more and more fierce. There is no survival without that. Anybody understand what I'm saying? I want to present something to you. This is the Bible. The number one produced, manufactured, sold book on the planet. Every single year, it is the number one best 
seller. Why? Is it just a collection of stories? Let me, let me tell you what it is in case you're new to scripture, in case you're new to this thing. This is not a book. This is 66 books. This is produced over a course of about 1,500 years, written by 40 different people, covering all of time, from the beginning of creation all the way to the end. It was first written in Hebrew, in Greek, in Aramaic. And then the Septuagint, written by 70 men that changed it from Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic into Latin. And then from Latin, they have something called the Latin Vulgate that was then interpreted into all these different languages. And in the 1940s, they discovered in a cave in Israel the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest written form of the Old Testament books. And they found out that after 5,000 years, less than 2% of it had changed. And almost all of that was punctuation. Just crazy. What does this mean? What is it? Where, where are you going? Listen to me. If you've gotten to the place yet where you're looking in the mirror and you don't like who you see, I don't care if you're three or 93. If you will let this get into you, it will change you. It will change you. Everybody wants to tell you how hard they are. Everybody wants to tell you how fierce they were. Everybody wants, oh, yeah. And anytime somebody starts to tell their testimony, they do it with this little bit of glorification. Oh, let me tell you, when I was in the street. <laughs> There's that touch of arrogance, that touch of... Yeah, right. Love when I was when I was first started going to church and somebody would start to tell their testimony about it and I'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, 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 you were a tough guy, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm so beyond that at this point. I am so beyond that. And here's what I mean. I am so desperate to still change. I am so desperate to not stay the way I am. I am so desperate to keep growing. I, I will do anything at this point. Anything. Whatever I have to do, because I can't go down the road of entropy anymore. It's about 15 years ago, maybe a little more. I went to this uh, conference. It was called the Straight Up Ministry Conference. Up, it was in uh, Chicago. I'd never been to Chicago. Matter of fact, I'd never been back. But, and I watched these guys who I really respected. It was James McDonald, Joe something or other, Warren Wiersbe, like all these men who I watched preach, who I saw, whose ministries I respected, who I was like, man. This is going to be great. And they asked, they had this Q&A time. And I hate Q&A times. Q&A times are when the fanboys come out. 
hey, so how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you? And they asked this one guy, and I forget his name, I don't know, maybe Erwin Lutzer, if you know who Erwin Lutzer is. They asked him, how are you in ministry for 40 years and never had a scandal, never had a fall? How, how did you do it? And he said, because I get in the word every single day. There is no compromise with me and my time with God, none. I can never be too busy for God in the morning. And there was a part of me that felt hopeless. Being at the time maybe 10 years old in the Lord, a young man looking at ministry, I remember going, wait a second. I mean, I'm never going to know the Bible. I always have to keep studying, keep looking, keep hoping. I, I want to wake up one morning and not be like, oh, i got to get into the Word of God. I want to wake up just like, can I just relax? Can I just wake up and just like, hey, good morning, Lord. Well, good morning, Ryan. How was your night? Oh, I slept great. How did you sleep, Ryan? I slept great, Lord. Thank you. I'm going to go to work now. Okay, have a great day. And the answer is no. No. Jordan Peterson, in one of his most one of my most favorite lectures he did, he said the only way to keep going forward is to realize that the existential fear and danger of your life is one step behind you. Cheating on your wife is one step behind you. Punching somebody in the face in the street, it's one step behind you. Doing drugs, it's one step behind you. Stealing money that's not yours is one step behind you. What does that drive you to? Man, it drives me to the Word of God. Every single day. I don't miss. I'm so afraid of messing up. I'm so afraid. And you want to know the worst part? Here's the worst part. I hate this. I had no fear. I had no apprehension. I had no thoughts of compassion, empathy. I had zero. I could care less. I won't piss on you if you're on fire. You understand? And the more... I read, and the more I study, and the softer I get, the more feelings I get. I'm weak. No. No, I hate it. <laughs> Anxiety, and worry, and fear, and oh my goodness. And I don't know how to reconcile this, guys. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to feel so much. I don't. I don't. I'm afraid. My father was so anxiety-ridden toward the end of his life. Oh, he was afraid of everything. 
My, my son used to go to wrestling tournaments and jujitsu tournaments, and he'd show up to once in a while. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, he's going to break his neck. He's, oh, my goodness. The kid's going to. My dad, what happened to you? What happened to you, man? He was my boxing coach. My father was my boxing coach. One of my favorite father stories. I was just in the Golden Gloves. We had like a three-month training camp. I fought. I finished in top five in the state of New York, Golden Gloves boxing. I said, Dad, I'm starting to get headaches when I go to sleep at night. I lay down and I get, I get this weird headache. You'll get used to it. That was my father. Now all of a sudden, he can't go to a wrestling tournament. Oh, oh, is he all right? Oh, I can't do this. I don't want to turn into that. Is there a, a place of trust in God's sovereignty, yet all the while still allowing your heart to get soft? I hope somebody's catching this. There is change right here. And this is, the, this is the spiritual part, right? I've given you all the physical. Now, here's the spiritual. There's something supernatural about this word. The more of it you get in yourself, the less of it you will be in yourself. I like that. As the more you pour yourself into the word, the more God will pour the word into you. If you are hopelessly stuck where you're at, wondering why you can't change, I'm going to tell you why. You don't have discipline. There are five ways in which a human being can change because there are three things that make up a human being. Number one, you are a body. You're a physical body. And from the second you are born, you want, you desire. I have to have. Give it to me. I want food. I want this. I want that. And although we joke, because of course a kid is going to need food, but it never stops. They're 13, 14, 15. Mom, make me a sandwich. Make your own sandwich! Well, if you didn't want to have kids, you should have shut up. <laughs> Two, your soul. Your soul is your emotional being. Your emotional being. You need to feel wanted, loved, needed, accepted. That's where the brokenness of this world why it's dominated by gangs of one sort or another. They're welcome. You're welcome here. Follow us. We'll make you one of us. You'll accept me? Absolutely. Brokenness. <coughs> Number three, your spirit. Your spirit is only satisfied when it connects with God. But the crazy thing is, you can't just connect with God. 
I want you to visualize two veins. These veins are just flopping like, a, like a, those guys that are on the side of the road with the air that goes up in them. That's your veins. One is you and one is God. And all of a sudden, some point in time, it connects. And God wants to pump into your life good stuff, but you block it up. No, too much. Too much. Five things. One, you need to spend time in prayer. You need to give God undivided attention. The Lord Jesus said, you got to go to a closet. you got to find yourself in this closet. you got to close the door where nobody sees. you got to give me your heart there. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he meant. Number two, you have to spend time reading the Word. The Bible, you ready? The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of bones and marrow, soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And everyone is naked before God. You read this thing and you realize how naked you are. Three, worship. You are what you sing. You are what you worship. Why do you think all the country singers all look alike? Why do you think they all have belt buckles and blue jeans and boots? Why do you think you get white kids from West Boca talking like they're from Michigan, Detroit? Shut dog. Straight dog. You know, it's funny because I met your mother and father and they don't talk like that. So unless your dad is Tupac Shakur and your mother's little Kim, I missed something. Fill in the blank. You are. When I was growing up, they had the, uh, the goth kids. The goth kids all wearing all black. Dude, it's August in New York. What the heck are you doing to yourself? It's because they listen to this band called the Smiths. You ever listen to the Smiths? It's no wonder there's any of them left, because if I listened to Smith, I'd hang myself. When you get rid of worship, when you get rid of what you're worshiping and you start worshiping God, you want to talk about change? You want to talk about change? If you think that music doesn't have power over you, you're lying to yourself because you know it does. You know it does. You wake up in the morning and the first thing it does is beckon you. You know that you're waking up in the morning with a song in your head and it's telling you, come on, you need more of me. You need more of me. You need more of me. You know it. You are what you worship. One, time in prayer. Two, reading the Bible. Three, worship. The music that you put in your heart is what you become. Four, fellowship. You don't go to church, you ain't going to grow in the Lord. 
You want to change? You got to change your habit. Jordan Peterson's book, 11 Rules for Life, rule number one, make your bed. Make your bed. Get up and do something different. Make your bed. Go to church every Sunday. Do something crazy. Go Sunday and Wednesday. <gasps> but, 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 but my kids, but my... All right. What do you want me to tell you? I'm here every Sunday. Well, you have to be. No, I don't. No, I really don't. No, but it's your church. I don't have to be here. I don't have to be anywhere. Don't need this place. Don't support my life. But I need this place. It supports my life. And lastly, witnessing. If you really believe the life that you're living is good life, then you got to tell somebody else about it. Otherwise, what are you doing? And if you don't believe it, what else is missing? But here's the crazy thing. This happens to everybody. And then you get comfortable. And you get complacent. And every good thing that you did, you will undo. Because the law of entropy is upon you. And unless you're swimming upstream, fighting against the tide of these things, you're going to die. You're going to die. Listen, I have read this book almost every single day for the past 20 years. And I miss one day. One day. And I'm carnal and nasty and lustful. And can I have one day? No. No. With all that as, a, as an introduction, I want you... An introduction. Turn to the fifth chapter of the book of James. Watch this. Because James had come so far, you ask yourself, how did he do it, man? James, how did you change so much? How did you go from literally hating your brother, being jealous of your brother? How did you go from wanting to kill him, wanting to end his marriage? How did you go so far to, to leading the church in Jerusalem? To, to now writing a book in the Bible? He would say, that's easy. I was paying attention. When I got serious... I got serious. I looked in the mirror, and I didn't like who I saw. And I knew there was one way to change. There was one way to change how I acted. There was one way to change how I felt. There was one way to change how I think. There was one way to change what I was doing with my entire life. There's a story in, Ma in Matthew 19, in Mark 10, and Luke 18. The Lord Jesus doing the speaking, he says this. Guys, how hard is it for a rich man to get to the gates of heaven? I'll tell you how hard. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That's what he says. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's another story, but yes, the, the camel had to 
It's a great story. I love that. I love that analogy. But the Lord Jesus told this story. And as it went through his brother James, as you read that, depending on where you are on the rich scale, because think about it, you're in America, you're all rich from the perspective of 5% of the population of the world, but you're not all rich. Some of you guys have struggles with money, but you really don't have struggles with money. I mean, our homeless people are overweight in America, you know what I mean? <laughs> No joke, and I mean that respectfully. But there are really people, like, you know there's people that die of starvation someplace in this world? Like, here in America, you can, you can go into McDonald's and raid the garbage can and become a fat person. I mean that respectfully. Like in India, in Asia, there's people dying in the street. There is no food. Like, there's a cow walking by Fat as can get, can be, but it might be your, your aunt that died, so you can't eat it. This is Buddhism at its finest. Hindus. Here's how it, it reacted. Here's how it worked through um, James. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Seboeth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. In understanding the rich and the poor and listen to his brother's teaching, he looked at the rich and he said, you, repent. And he, he goes through that whole thing. You guys come here every week and I teach you the Bible. What did you teach yourself this week about the Bible? Because I heard my pastor, Ken Graves, one time, he said to me, Ryan, the Lord Jesus wants to show you something that he hasn't shown anybody else in 2,000 years. Why do you want to read somebody else's commentary all the time? Why do you want to listen to somebody else's teaching? Man, get in it yourself. You want to know what the downfall of, of some of our old church was? The guy that was teaching wasn't teaching his stuff. He had a team of guys studying for him, and they'd give him, oh, look at this, look at this. Warren Wisby wrote this. This guy wrote this. This guy. And he'd look at it. I like this. I like this. Okay, I'm going to teach this. And you were getting redigested, redigested, rebranded, and very slickly packaged. The guy was a genius when it came to communication. And nobody said to him, dude, you know, I'd rather you be a little less good of a teacher and walk with the Lord than just reproduce. His book, somebody else wrote it. His autobiography, somebody else wrote it. Word for the Day Ministries, somebody else was writing it. Dan Hickling wrote this. No, this other woman wrote that. Like, when you look back, it was, was anything real here? I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. You need to get the word in you by yourself. You need to let God shine through you. Like I'm letting him shine through me now. And I'm vomiting this regurgitated diet of what God showed me this week, and I'm putting it on a plate, and then I'm putting it in front of you. Man, I suggest you, like, admire it, put it aside, read it for yourself later, because eating somebody else's digested food is just nasty. And that's spiritually what you're doing. Well, look, I hope there's something you can come on. You know, I'll take that, the rest of that. I want you to glean. I want you to, but, 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 but please read the thing yourself. Lord Jesus told this crazy, <coughs> a crazy story. He said, when a demon leaves a person, it goes through dry and deserted places looking for rest, and then it finds none. And it comes back to that person, and it finds that place all swept nice and clean, and he brings with it seven demons, even worse than himself, so that the last state of that person is worse than the first. The law of entropy, nobody's getting better. You don't get better apart from God. The day you put that book down, that's backsliding day one. The day you don't show up to church on Sunday, that's backsliding day one. The day you start listening to that old crap music again, backsliding day one. The day you don't share with somebody, when the Lord knocks on your heart and says, that guy's not going to be here next week, share my love with him. Oh, but I'm embarrassed. I don't want to. Backsliding, day one. I'm telling you. Look at this. Therefore be patient, brethren, till the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. He, the Lord Jesus, may be sitting before his brother James after his conversion. He looked and he said to them, lift up your eyes. You see, the coming of the Son of Man will be in the clouds, in the clouds with great glory. Look, for in that day thy redemption draw nigh. He listened to his brother teach, and it went through his heart. It processed. It changed him. It changed him, man. The word of God changed James. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Matthew 18, 15. He says, listen, if your brother offends you, go to him one-on-one. -on -one. It changed him. James was not these things. Ryan was not these things. The man that's sitting before you now with a happy marriage and blessed children and a good business was not that man. And I should not have gotten better. I should have gotten worse. I hope somebody here is feeling this. I hope everybody here is feeling this. The word of God will change you. I beg you. I implore you. I cannot ask you. Let the word of God change you. 
be so afraid not to wake up tomorrow morning and read this thing. You're not going to get better. I don't care if you come to church every week with your wife and sit there and play a video game or draw or doodle. You're not going to get better. You're going to get worse. And eventually you're going to wake up one morning and not recognize yourself, man. You're not. And you're going to go, what the hell happened to me? How did I get this far away? Don't play games. This ain't no game to play. God can change you, man. He can change you. He changed me. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I'm telling you, what hope can I impart to you about my background, about my upbringing? There is no Christianity in me. Everything you see here is in light of this word. Everything. Everything. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Matthew chapter 5, 33. That whole section that we just read, the Lord Jesus said it verbatim. I mean, like, exactly. He was, like, paying attention hardcore that day. Those were the exact words of his brother. He said, listen, I don't want you to say yes and mean no. I don't want you to say no and mean yes. I want your yes to be yes and your no to be no. If you tell somebody you're going to call them back, call them back. If you tell them you're not going to call them back, don't call them. Don't be afraid to tell somebody the truth. Don't worry about hurting their feelings. And here, James, by the power and authority of the word of God, every single word that I just read to you, you could find where his brother said the exact same thing. It's the craziest thing. He says here, look, look, look. He said, verse 10, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. The Lord Jesus said this. He said, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and kill those I sent to you. How often I wanted to gather you up like a mother hen gathers her chicks. I mean, every single thing the Lord said flows through his brother James here for these verses. And you're looking, you're like, how did you come so far? James, how did you do it? He will say to you the same thing I'm saying to you. I am addicted to the word of God. I'm addicted to it. I am deathly afraid Right now, all I can think about is what I'm going to read tomorrow morning. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to spend about a half hour in prayer, and then I'm going to get to the Word of God and start reading it and go, God, you're amazing. How could I have read this so many times and not seen this? If you don't like where you're at in life, listen, it was, um, I forget his name, very famous Christian author. He said, the Christian walk is an ice hill. Nobody slides upward. You don't maintain. I told you last week, I'm sorry, I ruined your life. I did. If I'm your pastor, I ruined your life. Because I told you the truth that unless you 
accept Christ as your Savior, everything's going to fall apart. And when you didn't know that, you didn't care. But now you know that. What did James say? To him who doesn't and knows to him, it's sin. If you know to do better and you don't do it, this is your sin. You're not getting better from here. You're not. I don't care. Go back to school, get your master's. I don't care. Go back and get your doctorate. You're not getting better. Your life is going to crumble to pieces. It's going to fall apart. Your marriage is going to fall apart. I don't care if you work at a church. I don't care if you go to a church. If you don't spend time in the word of God, you will fall to pieces. Wow, Ryan. Such a happy message today. I know I should smile a little more when I say it, but I'm telling you something. I see it over and over again, and it breaks my heart. If you've been going to church, I've been going to church now for almost 30 years. I got saved in 1994. Actually, I got saved in 93. I got baptized in 94. And all the people that I went to church with 20 years ago, when I tell you the vast majority of them, they're not in ministry anymore. They're divorced. Their lives have fallen apart. And, and we look it back and we go, Dino, am I wrong? How did this happen? But, but, but they worked at church, Dean! But, 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 but they went to dinner with Pastor Bob! I want you guys to make it so bad. I, I, if, if, I, if there was more passion, if, there, if, if, if I wasn't, if I'm coming off condescending, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm coming off hurting for you. Your first step outside of church is your first backslidden step. You've got to read this thing every day. I envy. There's some people I envy. I knew a few couples. They didn't pray together. They didn't read together. And they somehow stayed together. I mean, they didn't have the greatest of marriage, but they stayed together. I hate those people, because I can't do that. If me and my wife aren't spending time in prayer, if me and my wife aren't spending time reading the Word of God, if me and my wife aren't spending time doing our devotions together, we fall apart hardcore. Guys, what you don't know about me and my wife, I don't tell you to protect you sometimes. But we have been on the edge in the last 15 years, sometimes to the point of like our family having to get together and going, hey, if you guys ain't going to do this thing, why don't we just not do this thing anymore? We're going to make it. We're going to make it. You ain't going to make it. You ain't going to. Maybe it's time you call Ken. Maybe it's time you call Jim. And then we go, oh, what do we do? How did we get here? How did we do that? This, this isolation just naturally comes upon you and you got to dig in you got to start all over again you got to rip up old wounds and tear up scabs and wash the wounds out and yes yes okay and then we read together we pray together we spend time together 
and, and we look at each other, and God just does something crazy. And you go, woman, I love you so much. How did I, how did I let myself think such stupid thoughts? How do I, how did, I hope that my transparency is helpful to somebody here. You can't let things go. You're gonna fall apart. I could say honestly that the last year with my wife has been the best year of the 30 years that we've been together. I could say that to you honestly, but it didn't come without trial. Now, nothing disqualifying, of course. I mean, it's not like we didn't cheat or hit each other or we didn't even curse each other out. That's just not us. Just, you want to be here all the time, and when you're not, is what are you settling for? Well, it's okay if I just watch porn once a week, and you know, I'll... No. No. Well, I'm not the pastor, are you? No! If you don't accept it from me, don't accept it from yourself. Ah. Okay, hand out the communion elements. I've, I've dropped enough heaviness on y'all. But it's, it's, it's a heart that, here's the intention, right? In, in his amazing book, um, Warren Wiersbe is an amazing writer. I suggest reading everything he produced. He's written 100 books. <coughs> he said, he has a book called Preaching and Teaching with Imagination. And it's a really good book because it's more of a study guide. But, but here's what he says in that book. If I stop you on your way from your office to the pulpit, I want to ask you, what do you intend to do? Not what you intend to teach, what you intend to accomplish, the question was. So when I read that some 15 years ago, I thought to myself, okay, I would like to accomplish something with every service. So today I'm a, I want to accomplish something. Here's what I want to accomplish. I want you who are here that want to change, understand there is change available. And it's right here. But I also want you to know, as soon as you put this down, the law of entropy will take over your spiritual life as well as your physical. Because if you're above 40, you figured out already, it don't matter what you pump into your body or how many weights you push around, you're getting older, you're getting fatter, and, 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 and Galileo is not your friend. The law of entropy is real. And it's not going to change for you. It's not. This is also one of the reasons why evolution makes no sense, by the way. I mean, completely left turn, off subject. The law of entropy means that evolution cannot be real, because things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. Things aren't getting better with time. They're getting worse with time. Thus, evolution is a mockery of science. Yes, evolution is a mockery of science. Thank you, brother. So, I, I wanted to, uh, intended to, to do that, to hope, hopefully, that you guys understood that if you're here, thank you. If you're here, you have to know that you can change. There is change available. If your marriage is jacked up, get back to it. If your life is jacked, if, you're, if you have been, if you've done something or not been able to do something, if you've not been able to, <coughs> to see change, 
You know, um, there's a guy named Jay Adams. He wrote this amazing book, How to Help People Change. And rule number one in this book by Jay Adams was, number one, people don't change. Number two, God can change people. It's crazy. I want you to think about that for a second. Rule number one, people don't change. Rule number two, God can change people. You can't change. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I've gone a little too far today. Here's the problem. And I mean no disrespect when I say this. Older folks get what I'm saying right now. The younger folks, if you're like in your 20s or below, I'm hoping that you understand what I'm saying. The older you get from here, you're going to realize, and I don't want you to wait before it's too late. Before it's too late, pick up the word of God. Change the habits of your life. Because unfortunately, and in my day and age, in the 80s and 90s, when people were getting AIDS and herpes and, and, and like it only took one stupid thing and then it was over. I just, it's over. I know guys that died of AIDS because they went to the city and they, they played around in the clubs and like each, it was just one stupid mistake, man. The, 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 the bottle that you're drinking from, it doesn't have a warning label at the bottom of it that says, hey, after this bottle, you're hooked. If you've ever watched an alcoholic at the end of his life, he's the same color as the booze he's been drinking. So I remember being there and... and, and, and and thinking I was stuck, sitting in that church and looking up at, at Christ on the cross, and just like, without my boys knowing it, I, I'm sorry. But it's kill or be killed out here. It's kill or be killed out here. And I don't know if you're from that type of street, but there's that, that line of demarcation. And once you know you, you've been a trigger man, there ain't no going back. You know it. And eventually, you got to pull the trigger. Eventually, you got to pull the trigger. And whatever that trigger is for you here, you know, some people, it's, it's homosexuality, you know? Well, once I do that, there's no going back. And some people think that it, who, it's cheating on their spouse. And once I do that, there's no, some people, it's, it's some violent. I don't know where it is for you. I know where it was for me. But I'm telling you, God can change you. He can rescue you from that edge. As a matter of fact, he can pull you back from beyond the edge. You who've jumped off the cliff, he goes over the cliff, comes, gets you out, pulls you back, and uses everything. But he's not going to do it without you. You can't. He throws a lifeline, and you got to climb up. Yeah, he's going to make you stronger, but... If you're not reading the word, spending time in prayer, going to church, worshiping, sharing your faith, if you want his life, 
in your life. If you want to say to God right now, I want change, I need change, and I believe that with you there is change. Because I'm stuck like Chuck. This is the symbol. On the night that Christ was crucified, he gathered his friends together, and he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time you do it, I'm going to be with you, he says. Go on. Then he took the cup. And he filled it up. He said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. It's the cup of the New Testament the new promise, the new covenant. And the new covenant is this. You take a step to me, I take 10 to you. No more do you have to take 10 to me and I take one to you. It used to be you had to go to the temple, you had to do all of these things, and if you did all these things, his grace might find you. No. He says, one step to me, I'm taking 10 to you. So I don't have to do this on my own? No, you made the commitment by, by eating the bread. You made that commitment that you wanted God to change you. Even more. Even more. Guys, remember what I said to you? This is the craziest thing in the world. I'm sitting here and I'm signing my own death warrant. I'm getting weaker. The closer I get to God, the weaker I'm getting mentally. I'm breaking down. I'm carrying too many burdens. I, I can't not care anymore. And yet I'm going toward it anyway. <laughs> Death is taking hold of me, man. And he wants to take hold of you. Death wants to change you, man. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. By faith. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right. God, if I'm going to get weaker, it better be in my weakness that your strength is made perfect. And you know what he looks down and he says to us? My grace is sufficient. Oh, I don't like this, but I'm going to do this. Come on. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for making us weaker and stronger at the same time. We ask you, please, because we don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to spend time in prayer. We don't want to listen to worship music. We don't want to go to church and we don't want to share our faith. What we want to do, we find ourselves not doing. And what we don't want to do, that's what we find ourselves doing. Who will save us from this body of death? Thanks be to you, Lord Jesus, who gives us more than we need. You are more than enough. 
you will do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. God, thank you so much. Please fill us with a hunger to desire to do those things. Your word says to commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Lord Jesus, establish our thoughts in you. Thank you, God. Change us for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen.